No fish have been harmed in the making of this podcast. Well, thank you for joining in on Talking Bass in PDX. This is the Bass and Warm Water Forum where we talk fishing in the Northwest. Hi, I'm Don Clark and I'll be your host. Well, let's welcome in 2023 and let's look back at 2022. I've been doing my Rewind show now for the past three years and I just didn't want to stop doing it for this year. I know it's a little late getting out, but we've still got a lot of great information to get to. As I look back on one of the stats that caught my eye, I released over 600 minutes of content for last year. To listen to all those podcasts, you would have to drive from Portland, Oregon to Clear Lake, California. We added a new segment last year reporting the results of Kayak Bass Fishing Northwest. I hope that you picked up on some of the bodies of water that they go to and the results that was very enjoyable to have those on every month. I think I'm going to have them on again this year. On episode 58. I told the story about the memorial bench for Rich Tomlinson. As many of you know, Rich was one of my favorite fishing buddies. And I had a bench installed with the help of many of my friends out at Hag Lake, right next to Boat Ramp C. So if you get to Boat Ramp C, just uh, as you're looking at the boat ramp, just look over to your left and there's a big blue bench there. I've been out there several times since the bench was installed and just had a seat looked out across the lake and reflected on all of the good times that Rich and I had. You know, if you've lost a fishing partner or a friend, find yourself a place that you can just sit down, reflect on all the good times that you had together with them. It is so helpful to you. Since I started the podcast, I've always had fun with the podcast. I love recording, but episode 61 was the most fun. I was doing a podcast at Cast for Kids live out at Hag Lake, and those kids were thrilled to get on the microphone and talk. So check out that podcast if you didn't get a chance to hear it. Episode 61. It is great. Well, I'm looking forward to a great year of fishing. I know it's January. It's cold. Uh, we've had some uh, temperatures down into the 20s and 30s. But I can't wait for the good weather and the warm water so that we can get back out on the water looking to catch our personal best this year. But I would like to quote Lee Wolf. He was a New York-based angler. He was an author, filmmaker, and he promoted catch and release as early as 1936 with this phrase, Game fish are too valuable to be caught only once. So practice, catch, photograph, and release, otherwise known as CPR, and save those fish. Now I have three guests on the podcast, so let's uh, talk about them for just a second. Let's get started with Brian Chapman. Brian is the owner of Willamette Weapons, and we cover not only custom lures, but repainting older lures. So let's get to it. So with me today, or actually I am live out at Willamette Weapons, and Brian Chapman is here to talk about Willamette Weapons lures. Brian, welcome. Thank you for having me. 
Well, we haven't gotten together for about uh, a year, and I just wanted to get out and kind of do that year in review with you. Now, I wanted to start off with uh, one of the things that I had you do was paint some custom lures for me. They were made once upon a time by Lure Jensen. They were called Hot Lips. Many folks may know that particular lure. They came in a variety of colors. But I wanted you to just start talking about your ability to custom paint lures that are already out there and how folks could have you custom paint their lures. Yeah, um, it's one of my favorite things to do. You know, I, I, I kind of look at it as, you know, the old toy, the old, old toy box, right? You've got all these lures that for some reason you bought them and maybe they didn't work or the color was wrong. You know, a lot of times I've made the same mistake buying stuff in the tackle shop and you go, oh, that color looks really cool. And then it just for some reason didn't work. And so I love to repaint lures, especially, you know, old, the old Pose, the old um, uh, Lure Jensen Speed Traps, you know, all the old bomber plugs. Um, those crankbaits are still great working crankbait. They still work really well, but the colors just a lot of times they're made for other parts of the country. Like in, in our case, they're made for other parts of the country. They're not really made for the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. And so... And we all have them in our tackle box. So I love to bring new life to those and get them in colors that work here. Um, you know, in this case, you know, you they don't make uh, this color, that funky chicken anymore. Right. And so what I do is, as long as I have an original that I can copy, because when I go to match colors, it really helps to be able to have an exact lure in my hand so that I can compare the lures in the same light. The camera doesn't always catch all the colors in, you know, in a picture so you know and that's one of the things i run into in, in my business is trying to capture all the um, colors that are in a crankbait it's so difficult and so what i do is if i can have a crankbait in my hand of one that you want matched then i can go ahead and match it and so that's what i did on yours is i took the hot lips that you that you gave me and i took the original one that you had and what i did was i painted it until it looked as as close as possible you know Sometimes, depending on the the way it, the way that the original pattern was put together, it's hard to completely duplicate it. But I get as close as I can. Um, I've done a couple of things where uh, some of the older Lure Jensen colors, like for instance, um, the Crystal Crawdad. You know, the new Crystal Crawdad when Rapala bought them is different than the original one, and everyone loves the original one the way it was. And I can take a crankbait and I can look at the colors. And I can actually start to see the layers and how, you know, the different steps it takes to paint them so that they look exactly the same. Well, that's interesting. I, I realized that it was going to be difficult and we were able to get an example. And if folks want to see an example of what these look like, certainly send me an email at gonefishingpdx at gmail.com. Certainly I will send you a picture of one of these lures. I think that they're an excellent excellent re repaint of, of what they were what I had done because you could not buy this particular color anymore is I found other lures that were different colors and then Brian has repainted them so I'm very happy that uh, that I have these uh, they will do some bass fishing this year but they will also do some walleye fishing this year now one of the things that, that, that I always like to talk about certainly Brian and I we're talking about early spring fishing, and we may do a separate podcast for that because 
it's a lot more involved than I think we want to take for a year in review. But right. what I wanted to get was, first of all, some of your fishing adventures this year. And had you caught any large fish, or were they all uh, pretty much average for the year this year? Mm, this year, I didn't get to fish as, quite as much as I wanted to. I was busy doing a lot of repaints and, you know, painting a lot of lures. I did get out on the John Day River a few times uh, in March and April, and I did get some master angler fish. I got a cup. I got, in fact, I got two in one day, over 20 inches, um, and that. So that that was a special day. It, the river was just fishing a little weird early this year. You know, it was it was tough fishing, and then when you found them, you got them. It, but it was one of those deals where you you're working your way down the river and it's nothing 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 all of a sudden boom you get you know a dozen fish and you get one over twenty and then you then you're working down nothing 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 and boom you get another you get another big pot of fish and so that was it, it I always enjoy fishing on the John Day it's so much fun so that that was uh, for my my early spring that was those were my trips in the spring was on the John Day. Well, that's great to hear that you did get back out of the John Day. I have to mention that if you're going to come out to, to Oregon, or if you live in Oregon and you want to fish the John Day, you have got to look up Maha Outfitters out of Fossil, Oregon. Talk to Steve Fleming. Let him know that you heard about us on the podcast. It is a bucket list trip. Amen. You will have more fun than yep. you should ever have bass fishing. <laughs> it really is a riot. It is great. Yep. Number one, you'll have the best guide I've ever been with. Number two, you will get to use some of Brian's baits before you even buy them. You'll get to yep. use some of those out there. And it is phenomenal. And I don't care what the weather's like. The fishing on the John Day is a must-have. So yep. um, free plug there for Maha Outfitters. <laughs> I'll put their I'll put their website in the uh, um in the show notes and or or the phone number and you can text Steve book a trip guys phenomenal absolutely so anyway I, I spent the summer just kind of you know fishing here and there when I could get a chance to and I spent uh, I was actually supposed to spend five days up on potholes and go out there and fish at the end of August and got all the way up to potholes they lowered the lake too much and we couldn't launch the, low, the lake was so low that you couldn't get the boat off the trailer to get in. And so we ended up, we had to make a, we had to call an audible, and we ended up going to Boardman for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And so we spent uh, four days at Boardman and just had so much fun catching smallmouth on the river. I mean, it was hot. I mean, at the end of August, the water was crystal clear, mm-hmm. and we found some really nice schools of fish. I really got a chance to learn how those fish relate to, you know, some of the different features on the river. I got to learn, you know, which patterns I really need to be focusing on in the summertime. Um, so that was that was something else. I mean, we, we had some really great days out there. Now, you bring that up, and and uh, the, the certain patterns work on on the, the Boardman area. For those who are in the listening area of Oregon, Washington, certainly you're going to know that we're talking about the Columbia River out around Boardman, Oregon, um, up, up to the McNary Dam. Um, however, if you're not in the area and you're listening to the podcast, um, we are we are looking at an area of the Columbia River, and there are several 
really nice pools in the Columbia River that are great for fishing. That happens mm -hmm. to be one of them. Now, if a person is saying, hey, I want to see what patterns you were looking at for, say, Boardman, are those marked on the website, or how would they know what they're looking at? Um, they're not specifically marked on the website, and it's because the, the Columbia River as a whole is very similar from pool to pool on what the forage base is. There are going to be some variances because of location. Like, for instance, you know, one crawdad color you know, up at Boardman, like I have a red one that works, I call it Columbia Craw. That one will work in multiple pools in the, in the Columbia River, but in the Boardman, in the pool up around Boardman between, you know, the John Dave Dam and McNary Dam, that Columbia Craw is absolutely hands down one of my best crawdad patterns. And it's because you have so much of that lava rock that, you know, you know, that the pool is made up of. And so a lot of the crawdads have a, t a red tint to them. Mm -hmm. And so that Columbia craw works really well. Um, so really what I, what I say to that is study the forage base, or you can text me, email me, message me, say, Hey, you know, I'm going out to this pool. What do I need to be looking at for forage base in the, in the colder months, I tend to go more with the yellow perch in that pool. You know, and I've had really great success in April, you know, in March, April, May, and then again in like October, November timeframe with more of the perch patterns. During the summertime, I tend to go with more of the juvenile pike minnow patterns because there's that's probably the most abundant bait fish in the entire Columbia River system. Um, there are also other factors, you know, because we have fish that move, we have bait fish that move in and out of the river. You know, for instance, we have American shad that move in. You have uh, the adults that move in in the spring, they spawn, and then you have all these juveniles that summer in the Columbia River. And depending on where they spawn, all the way up to, you know, all the way up, even above McNary, mm -hmm. you know, depending on where they spawn, you've got these great, you've got these schools of American shad juveniles that are living in the river that time of year in August. Uh. And so that becomes an important forage. Because all of a sudden now you've got all these bait fish that are swimming around, and they uh, the the bass are very opportunistic, and so they're going, oh, I got all this fresh food, let's eat this, and so that time of year that uh, juvenile pike minnow was working really well, my juvenile American um, juvenile American shad was working really well, really anything that was small and more like a silvery type of color to it just really shined and it had to do with the conditions that were there so the interesting thing about this whole conversation is is if it you know when you go to the big box tackle store and you see something shiny and you think i ought to buy that and throw it in my tackle box uh before you do that jump on willamette weapons website and look at his colors Send Brian an email and ask him about what there is to eat in the area that you're going to be fishing. You're going to save yourself a whole lot of time from throwing the wrong bait. Right. Because when we go out on the river and we're fishing, you want to be successful out there. And mm -hmm. if you're not throwing what is in that area for those fish to eat, you will not catch them. They, they will just let it swim on by. Right. So that, that's important. Now, one of the other things that Brian does, and I wanted him to talk about this, because we this is a year-in-review show, so we are kind of reviewing the year. The other thing that Brian does is he comes up with ideas, special colors that he paints. 
and again, they're on the website if you're going to sell them in quantity, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So tell me about a few of them that you have come up with this year. So I specialize in, as you know, I specialize in match the hatch type patterns. It means you know, I take what's actually in the water that the fish are used to feeding on, and I try to match it as closely as possible. And so one of the bait, one of the crawdads, uh, I first want to talk about one of my crawdads, is the Louisiana swamp craw. We don't have a lot of them up here in Oregon and Washington, but there are isolated locales where these are a dominant crayfish. But in other parts of the country, especially in California, you start getting into the Southwest and you start getting in, you know, through um, Texas and all, really all of the South, these Louisiana swamp craw is probably one of the most dominant species of crawdad anywhere there. Well, I grew up fishing on the Delta where back then I thought that that was the dominant species of crawdad. And so I've been working on it for several years actually. And it took me a while to figure out how to match it. But now I've matched two different versions of the Louisiana swamp craw. One of them is, I call it um, peekaboo. And it's because my, my son actually named it for me. We were up there and we were kind of th throwing it in the river and we we're playing with it and looking at it, how it looks in the water. And I got under the water and I'm sitting there looking at it and I'm getting it on camera. And then we switched spots because I wanted my son to be able to see it. And he goes, Dad, it disappeared in the water. And it got me thinking, well, there's a reason why that they, they blend in that way. And so they, uh, and he goes, it disappeared. And then all of a sudden he popped it out and it went peekaboo. And it, so he called it peekaboo. So that's what I called it. I haven't named the other one yet, and I'm getting ready to put it on the website. But I found a, a slight variation in this Louisiana swamp crop. You know, the dominant is the big, great big red claws. And, but the bodies of them are, they're difficult to paint I'll, Let me put it that way. But I figured out a technique where it allowed me to be able to paint them and be able to closely imitate what colors they are. So I have two versions. I have one that's more of like a purple and brown. And then I did the red with the claws. Um, and I, you know, I matched the body. And then I have an olive version because when I, growing up in California, when I lived, when I was out there on the Delta, a lot of the crayfish that I found, you know, were more of like an olive color on the back and they had those great big red claws. And so I came up with an olive version as well. And it's just, it, it has to do with the body of water you're fishing in. Just like, you know, you and I were talking before about different colors of, you know, the same species of yellow perch, for instance, but because of one body of water or another, the genetics of those perch make them look different. Well, same thing with the crawdads. You know, I've been pulling up pictures of Louisiana swamp craws, and these are both ones that I actually matched off of ones that I caught, but I've seen so many different variations. I've seen blue. I've seen re really bright strawberry red. I've seen orange. I've seen white. I've seen so many different colors, but I try to match the ones that are the most common, at least to start with. Um, so these are the two that I that I the two crawdads that I worked on developing this year. Uh, I have one other one, but it's more designed for the East Coast, and so um, I didn't bring that one out. But um, these two crawdads, I, one of them I call Peekaboo, the other working title is Peekaboo Two, but I'm not sure what I'm going to name it yet. Another pattern that I developed was I actually got a chance to go out early this spring. We were out there fishing at uh, Cascade Locks, and I snagged a um, American Shad 
for the first time. I've never caught one before. And so I snagged it, took a whole bunch of pictures of it, and I developed a pattern that matches the American, the adult American shad. So that adult American shad is more of a late spring, early summer. When those, when those American shad move into the system, they become a dominant forage species. Those bass are hungry. And by that time, they're eating really, really well, and they're looking for that big meal. Well, the American shad, when they come in from the ocean to spawn, they got one thing on their mind, and they're not necessarily thinking about, oh, there's a bass that's going to come eat me. And so during that time of the year, that American shad pattern works really, really well. Another bait fish that I was working on is a, well, I can't, I got to stop calling them bait fish, um, coastal cutthroat trout. We have a, a lot a lot of lakes, especially on our coastal lakes and, and the rivers too, all up and down the west coast, where if you've got access from the ocean into a lake, like 10 Mile for instance, mm -hmm. you're going to have coastal cutthroat trout in that lake. And I wanted to match them very closely because big bass eat big trout, or they eat trout. They love to eat them. And it's a dominant forage species when those fish are feeding on trout. And so I like throwing the um, the coastal cutthroat, and I take the time to make sure that I get it right. That's my, like I said, that's one of my things. Um, the other one that I'm, now this is probably the one I'm most proud of, of the bait fish. And this particular one is a smallmouth bass pattern. And it's a little contrary to what you'd think of being a bait fish. But bass are cannibals. They do eat their own. Both largemouth, smallmouth, spotted bass, every bass, they feed on their own. And I developed this pattern, and it, it took me a while because smallmouth, and it, I, I'm showing the smallmouth in particular, because smallmouth, one of my favorite things about smallmouth is if you look at a smallmouth, if you look at the, it, you, they have an interference pattern behind the pattern. So they have the bars and the little scales on them, but if you look behind it, some some bass look almost like an interference red. Like you look at it, it almost looks like it glows, and it glows red. And there are other ones that I've seen that, that I've seen them glow green. Well, I wanted to mimic that red version because to me that just it's the most beautiful version that I've seen. I've seen blue, I've seen green, I've seen um, blue, green, and red, and I've actually seen one that was purple. But the dominant ones that I see are blue, are red and green. So I did the red one, and on this particular smallmouth pattern, when you pull that thing through the water, you can actually see the red interference behind the pattern, and it makes it, it gives it that glow. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's a genetic trait or if it's a, you know, because I know that smallmouth can change color. You know, they you, if you put them in the live wall one color, you're going, I saw this one. It was all full of tiger stripes, and you go in there and you look and you go, where'd it go? It looks different. And so I'm wondering if it's, I don't know why, but it's, it, this pattern works. It works so well. I've caught fish in all, you know, on the river. It's been one of my dominant colors throughout the river, throughout lakes and stuff that have smallmouth in them. It's been one of my favorite patterns to throw. And it's, what I found is it's an, it's more of an aggressive strike rather than they're, them actually feeding. So they do eat them, but it's more of you're in my area, get out. And it, you're, you're feeding off of that aggressive nature of a bass. It's like, this is my territory. You're in my territory. Get out. And I've caught one of the trips we were up there at Rife Lake. We were finding all these smallmouth and largemouth 
setting up to spawn up there in some of the creek arms. And you sit, see these smallmouth in about 10, 15 foot of water, and you start to see the clean spot for the nest. And I, I took this uh, smallmouth jerkbait, and I did it on my Bolt XD, which is my deeper diving one. And you throw that thing out near that nest, and you go, whoop, and you let it sit. And those smallmouth, you could see them getting agitated and going, and they just go over and just hammer it. Mouth closed, but they were just, no, get out. And a lot of times you hook them in the side of the mouth because they were so, they're so aggressive. They're like, no, 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 this is my spot. And so using that smallmouth pattern in that situation worked just wonders. It's so much fun. Well, that is, that is great. So I am so glad to hear about the five new colors that you, that you've got out. Um, you know, make sure that you get out there and, and check out the website. Now, certainly there are some sales that Brian has on Facebook. Follow him on Facebook too, because those are, those are really fun. Um, we are so looking forward to 2023 because there's some really exciting things going to happen. Yep. Uh, I know that you're going to a show in Knoxville coming up the end of uh, January. Yep, I'm going to the East Tennessee Sports uh, Fishing Expo in Knoxville, Tennessee. And that's coming up at the end of January. And so this is one of the largest fishing shows in the in the you know out there. They 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 basically what I what I've heard from other people is that next to the Bassmaster Classic, this is the one you want to go to. And so so for. Early spring fishing, start looking at the website because uh, you've got all of the colors for early spring, mm -hmm. summer. You've got some new patterns on there. Uh, I think it's just going to be a really exciting year for, for fishing out there. Mm -hmm. So if your tackle box is full and you've got some crankbaits that you would like to have reconditioned or you've got some that you can't buy anymore and you've got the blank, uh, Brian's happy to paint those. If they look on the website, that will give them your contact information, correct? Yes, uh, com. I have my, you can message me straight from there. You can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. And I, I'm usually really good about getting back to you the same day. Uh, if you send me a message, I, I love to talk fishing and I love to help you catch more fish and I'll put and I'll put your contact information in the show notes so if you miss it just uh, look down to the show notes of the of this podcast and uh, you'll have them on there Brian thank you for being on today I appreciate you having me thank you I would like to thank Brian Chapman of Willamette Weapons I have his website in the show notes take a look if you're looking to have newer crankbaits or if you're looking to have some older ones repainted I had them done. They came out great. Next up on the podcast, I get to talk to Brandon Peeler of Peeler Custom Rods. We talk custom rods, but wait, we have breaking news. Rebranding of Peeler Custom Rods. So give it a listen and check out what Brandon has done last year and what he's planning on this year. Well, I'd like to welcome the owner of Peeler Custom Rods onto the podcast. Brandon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Don. Thank you for having me on again. I'm uh, excited to go over all the crazy stuff that's been going on in the fishing world the last year or so. Well, every year, for the past three years, I have put together a 
uh, year in review show, and I thought, you know, I can't, I can't stop the tradition now. So, uh, along with the other guests that I have on, I wanted to make sure that uh, that you and I got to touch base and and see how last year went. Tell me a little bit about some of your fishing adventures this past year. Yeah, the, the, this last year brought me a lot of uh, bass fishing. Thankfully, um, nothing nothing to really brag about size wise, and uh, you know didn't get out as much as I would have would have liked to in the last year. But you know got to fish some cool places, um, mostly the Willamette River. Um, did some fishing uh, out in the Columbia, and then also a trip uh, down to Shasta. So. Uh, fishing wise, it's, uh, it's been pretty much bass, bass, bass for me this whole last year. So it's been good. Well, that's great. Now let's talk just a little bit about the Willamette because a lot of folks listen Mm -hmm. locally here. And I know that I talk a lot about the Willamette river above the falls. So basically from Mm -hmm. Westland all the way up to, uh, Newburgh, because that is a spot that I love to go to also. I'm not going to ask you any of your where-to spots because that's not fair, but what's your favorite bait to use out there on the Willamette? Yeah, so this year uh, I I like to change it up, kind of put the favorite baits of the past year away and try to choose something new to go after. And this year um, my go-to was a drop shot um, with anything electric shad pattern, you know, whether that be like a, smaller stick bait or, uh, you know, a, uh, any kind of swim bait, paddle tail plastic, um, kind of drop shotting those, those shorter, anywhere from two, eight to three inch or three and a half inch baits. Um, that was, that was my go-to favorite bait this year. And it seemed to do pretty dang well. Um, also got into, uh, a bunch of Ned rig fish this year as well. Same kind of pattern, electric shad you know, those short, uh, TRDs, um, and, you know, combo of those two top favorites for this last year. And they, they produced pretty dang well on the Willamette. Well, that's great to hear. And I, I've done some research on the Ned rig and I, I absolutely, uh, like that particular kind of fishing. I do a lot of it myself and it's, it's, a a, uh, technique that was developed back in the 50s, and and now it's come back again over the last two or three years or so, and uh, and especially up there in the uh, in the Willamette, you get down on that basalt bottom, and uh, and set that uh, that Ned rig hook down on the bottom, and th- those uh, smallmouth bass just go nuts over. Uh, a piece of plastic sitting on the bottom of the uh, <laughs> bottom of the river. Wouldn't you agree? Oh yeah, it was. Uh, started throwing that Ned rig around, and it uh, was hard to keep those fish off that bait. And subtle, very subtle presentation. I mean, uh, the cool thing about the the Ned rig is you fish it so many different ways. You know, bouncing it, just kind of slowly dragging it. I mean, heck, I even caught some swimming it somewhat slowly you know, just above the bottom. And, man, it's amazing what what a small piece of plastic can do and get a reaction um, out of those fish to bite it. And uh, it was also fun, you know, messing around. They they also have TRD heads with some of those 
short skirts on them too and you throw those around some wood it's like man what can't this bait do and where can't you fish it you know <laughs> so yeah those fish are absolutely in love with that bait that's for sure well the interesting thing about the ned rig for me is when i do get to go out on the willamette and it is my go-to spot uh there is not a depth that uh, that i won't try that that bait i mean from uh Near the shore, where I'm pulling it down into uh, 10 or 15 feet of water, all the way till you know I get get down there a ways, you know, 20 feet of water or so. Um, and especially if I can find a nice hole to where I can where I can work it down the side of that. Oh, those those smallmouth bass love that, and, and they love those TRD uh, baits. The the plastic doesn't break down as fast as some things do, so I, I really enjoy fishing it. And a lot of people will say, "Oh, how do you fish it?" And I go very gently. So very gently, and if you're fishing in, you know, like the river, um, a lot of the time the the current can do some work for you as well. And that, that's my other favorite thing too. When you mentioned that the plastic's very durable, you know, most people that go and fish for a lot of and catch a lot of smallmouth in the day, or even you know, if you catch some bigger ones and you only get a handful of them. Uh, you would see most plastics start breaking down after a handful of fish, but these ones just keep going. And so that's also why I loved them. I was like, man, I'm saving a lot of money only having to use one bag of bait <laughs> for a long period of time. Oh, a absolutely. Uh, I have a couple of baits that I really like to fish Carolina rig style, except they're only good for about two or three fish, and it rips the uh, – the plastic off, and it's kind of like, yeah, I really mm -hmm. like them, but they're really expensive too, and I kind of, I kind of right. revert back to Ned Rig. Yeah, yeah. You know, shameless plug here is that if you are going to be doing that type of fishing, and it doesn't matter if you're on the Columbia, if you're on the Willamette, or if you do get to go down to Shasta, or even Clear Lake down in California, mm -hmm. um, Brandon built a finesse rod for me. Uh, earlier last year, and you absolutely have got to go see him for one of those rods. That rod is so sensitive out there when it comes to uh, to that finesse fishing that uh, you need one of those. So, uh, Brandon, I really appreciate that rod that you that you built for me. Of course, of course. Well, I want to talk a little bit about uh, some of the some of the rods that you built this last year. Uh, now, I know year before you, you kind of built a couple of unusual ones. Anything this year that come to mind that uh, that, you, uh, that you'd like to talk about? Yeah. Um, you know, every year I, I kind of challenge my group of fishing buddies to, to give me something uh, that they would like me to build that isn't been something uh, I typically build. I typically build a lot of you know, small freshwater rods, um, bass rods, and then steelhead float rods. That's kind of my go-to bread and butter rods. And so I'm like, I want you guys to give me something that's kind of out of the box. And so this last year I did a center pin rod uh, for my buddy who fishes out of the sound up in uh, Seattle. And, um, you know, I've never built anything quite as long. I believe it was almost just over 10 foot, if I remember right um heavy rod for you know putting putting out for some salmon and uh you know talking 12 foot grip or 12 foot 12 inch grip 
um, on there with the good foregrip of about four inches and, you know, just a massive heavy-duty rod that was going to make for some fun salmon fishing. And uh, that's the most unusual one this year that I've done. And he had the opportunity to go out and actually fish with it a couple times, landed some really nice fish on there, um, and performed so well that he's going bigger for this next salmon fishing season and is actually looking at doing a almost 11 foot ish center pin rod um so <laughs> we're uh, going bigger and badder this year for center pins so uh unusual that's that tops them all um other rods that i've done in the last year like i said more bread and butter stuff uh, a lot of uh did a handful of crappie rods uh for people and then um touching on some more steelhead specific uh technique specific rods for side drifting bobber fishing um longer longer rods for some bigger rivers and then some shorter rods for some smaller rivers um so in a in in some that's that's how the last year's looked in in fishing rods for me well that's excellent you know and it's it's so neat to hear that you're building some unusual rods so you know for my audience out there if you can't find what you're looking for hey look up peeler custom rods and and check it out see if brandon can build it and the, the other thing is you know i had a couple people throughout the year that contacted me and they've got some rods that were a little older and i believe that you may have them right now actually uh that you're doing some refreshing on it so uh mm-hmm. how about how about refreshing other rods that people may own yeah so that's another big thing that i took on this year was doing repairs um and basically what we can do repair wise repair wise for fishing rods um can be anywhere from you know replacing guides replacing tips um and then also refreshing grips on certain fishing rods um you know i don't typically love to to completely tear down a rod to the bare blank you know just because of the strong adhesive that's used to to keep grips on there but it's something that certainly can be done but um yeah, I mean, this year's been a lot of uh, refreshers for older rods, uh, putting new guides on rods that, you know, may have been broken insert rings or just as simple as the glues cracking because they've been out in the sun for so long and that's come, starting to come off or, you know, broken rod tips. Anything kind of like that has been uh, has been good. And I enjoy doing it. Fixing, fixing rods is, uh, I love being able to get, people's older equipment back up to where they want it to be to start fishing again, especially if there's something that's sentinel too. Well, that is great. So, you know, folks, if you're out there and you've got some older rods that you want to have refreshed, hey, give Brandon and his team a call, and I think they can they can help you out. Now, Brandon, we got to mention, you know, I, I think uh, throughout the years of me doing the podcast, uh, I think most folks that know me have been married for a long, long time to my high school sweetheart you know we're celebrating 45 years this this coming year but you got married this summer is that right yes yeah we got married in august 
um, also to my high school sweetheart, um, after, oh man, seven years of dating. Um, but yeah, we got married and, you know, got married and came back from our honeymoon and got right back to it. We share the same love for the outdoors and our fishing rod business that we've done together and everything she helps me with on this side. So couldn't, couldn't ask for a better wife for sure. Well, congratulations. And, you know, from a, from a very famous, uh, uh, newscaster that was out there for many, many years, uh, on your way to forever together. So good luck and, uh, congratulations. Appreciate well, it. Thank you. Well, now we get, you know, we get to 2023, you know, we had a, we had a pretty decent 2022. We got, got back to, to doing things and getting outdoors. And let's talk a little bit about 2023. Tell me some of the plans that you guys have. Yeah, so this year um, we've been, well, the last couple months we've been doing some rebranding to our company, um, which Peeler Fishing Rods is um, has been just a straightforward custom rod building company um, where people can come to us and we'll build a fishing rod for you, starting from the blank all the way to the guides that go on there. Um, and we decided to take this a different route um, you know, my love for custom fishing rods was based off the fact that you could go out and find all the best of the best components and build a complete fishing rod that can do exactly what you want it to. And I know how intimidating slash expensive um, custom rod building can be. And so I and my buddies and my wife decided that this year, uh, while we were rebranding, we're going to start doing stock fishing rods. And what I mean by that is we're going to be uh, building fishing rods that customers can buy from the website that are already completely built, um, and they're utilizing all the best components that we're able to source from guides to grips to reel seats to down to the blanks. Um, and... Uh, having those pre-built ready to go for people. Um, and so uh, with the rebranding of everything, we also wanted to focus on angler education. Um, we're going to be having tabs on our website that are going to have anywhere from beginner to expert techniques, knot tying, uh, baits to try, um, you know, different, different kinds of, uh, rods that apply to where you're kind of at in your fishing fishing adventure um you know rods that are for person just starting out to the technique specific expert that wants something just for throwing drop shots or cranking or jerk baits anything like that um and so that's kind of where we're taking things and with this rebranding we're actually going to be changing our name as well uh, and that's going to be lunker tech um, and so when we release all this, open our website back up, you're going to be able to find us at Lunker Tech instead of Peeler Fishing. Um, but for now, you can still reach us at Peeler Fishing. Well, I will have the LunkerTech.com website uh, in the show notes for folks. Now, right now, it says mm -hmm. they're under rebranding. Make sure you put your email in there so that you'll know when they're back. 
So if a, if a person still wants a custom rod, they will go to LunkerTech.com, and you'll be able to do that for them, correct? Yeah, so that's the other thing we'll be offering, too. Um, more simple version of our past website. It's going to be a custom build request sheet. Um, so we're still allowing people to do custom builds and still offering, you know, any kind of choice, you know, from blank to guides, everything you can choose for custom rods. Um, so, yeah, that will still be included in all this as well as our pre-builds that people can choose from as well. And when you say you're going to have pre-built rods, tell me a little bit about the variety. So are they going to be um, like 6'6 six, six or 7-foot rods? Are they going to have bigger or smaller? Tell me a little bit about those. Yeah, so basically how it's going to be broken down is we're going to have your different species categories. So we'll have small freshwater rods, you know, your trout, crappie, panfish rods. Um, we'll have bass fishing rods, and um, we're going to actually be doing some ocean rods that can cover anywhere from jetty fishing to be out on the boat, you know, wing cod, rock bass fishing, and uh, also do some salmon steelhead rods as well. Um, and under each category, we're going to have a variety of different lengths and specs. So, you know, for bass, it will be, you know, your shorter 6'6 rods all the way up to your 7.5-foot um, rods and how we're going to categorize them is uh, three different tiers. Your kind of beginner tier up to your more experience level tier um, that are more technique specific rods. Um, so we're going to have as big a variety as we can get on there um, that we think cover the bases um, for each species. So it, it's going to be a variety. Well, that sounds like that's going to be great to have some ready-to-buy rods so that uh, if somebody is looking for something right away, maybe they buy a ready-built rod and then they come back and build that custom rod because uh, mm -hmm. I, I, think, I think you need more than one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's... Um, if if you were to look in my rod locker in my boat, my wife always has that question, why does it take so many rods? And I said, because there's so many different applications. So You're right, uh, exactly. <laughs> I hope that she I hope that you will uh that you'll have that. Now, are you still on Facebook under Peeler Custom Rods or have you also changed that? Uh, still currently under Peeler Fishing um, on both Facebook and Instagram, so you guys can also uh, find us there. Um, once we make the switch all over, everything is ready to go. Uh, social media will be switched over as well at the same time. Uh, but for now, like I said, yeah, you can still go to that Peeler Fishing, uh, and you'll see that email input um, from the website, and if you don't want to go there, you can always find us on social media and messages there as well. Well, I would hope that folks will keep an eye on social media. I know that you're going to be doing a um, a dry clinic for Oregon Bass and Panfish Club coming up in February, and I know folks are going to be listening to this after February, but keep your eye on um, social media and check that meeting out. You can go and meet Brandon in person. Uh, 
you can go to the meeting. You don't have to be a member of that particular club to come on in and bring your questions for custom rods uh, to that meeting. Now, one of the questions I had is, and I love the name of your uh, of your outerwear, your uh, clothing line, um, and that's uh, is it fish bum, fish bum, fishwear, or fish fish bum. Where do you guys still have that, or is that going to be discontinued? So that's going to be um, discontinued, but we're actually uh, going to be rebranding all of our apparel as well to Lumper Tech. Um, we're still going to be doing some graphic designs, but our apparel is going to be more focused on outerwear. So you know, heavier hoodies, rain jackets, windbreakers. Um, UV protection shirts, long sleeves, hoodies like that. Um, so we're kind of taking all that and making it uh, and uh, putting all of our designs and everything onto more outerwear specific for fishing uh, clothing. So um, it will be available. Will not say fish bum, but it will be saying Lunker Tech and some of our uh, newer uh, graphics that we've done. So. Well, that that's great that you are keeping your apparel line going. But I tell you, I heard something that you said that's so important, and that's the fact the UV protection. I cannot tell you how many folks, because I know a lot of older folks that are out there fishing, and now all of a sudden we have figured out that you got to protect your skin. And um, mm -hmm. not not sure why when I was younger that I didn't know about it, but... Um, I I know of a couple of uh, folks that I fish with that have had some skin problems because they're not covering up, and so uh, that's mm -hmm. that is really nice that you guys are bringing some apparel out that they can use to cover up with. Mm-hmm. And so is that going to be like long sleeve shirts and that type of thing? Yeah, it's going to be, uh, yeah, so we're going to be doing um, long sleeves and uh, more specifically probably uh, just uh, long sleeves with the uh, the hood on the back so you kind of get full coverage um, and then some UV protection uh, short sleeves, even though it may not be covering your arms, but I know some people do like to wear those arm sleeves or anything like that too, so um, yeah, both of those will be for UV protection. Well, that's great. Well, I am looking forward to LunkerTech.com and at some of the rods that you're going to be coming out with. I think this is going to be an exciting 2023, and I know that you're going to be busy all year. Yeah, that's the hope. Um, you know, we're we're wanting to set all this rebranding and LunkerTech up um, to have customers utilize it as a tool, you know, help them decide what fishing rods they need. And like I said, wanting to also focus on the education side and, and uh, you know, hopefully get more people out fishing and more successful when they make that trip out. So we'll be doing blog posts, videos, and also have tabs on our website for people to go and do some reading and do some uh, learning when it comes to uh, what, what fishing they want to be doing. Well, that's great. I look forward to catching up with you again maybe this uh, 
this late spring. Maybe we will be out on the water the next time we do a recording, and I'll bring my my recording gear along, and we'll do something live so that you can do a little educating, and we can talk a little on the fishing that we're getting done. Heck, yeah. That sounds perfect to me. I <laughs> can't complain about a day on the water. <laughs> there you go. Brandon, thanks for stopping by. Thank you, Don. Appreciate it. Well, I'd like to give a special thanks to Peeler Custom Rods for being a great partner for the show. Let's hear a bit more about Peeler Custom Rods. The most important equipment you have when you are fishing is your rod and reel. If it's time to replace that old rod or upgrade it, let Peeler Fishing Rods build you the best so that you can catch your personal best. Brandon and his team make the process very easy. Start by visiting their website at peelerfishing.com. Check out the custom bass rods, freshwater rods. PFR can even make that custom salmon and steelhead rod that you're looking for. Next, click on the build form so that you can start building that custom rod. From custom grips, custom guides, and even custom thread wrap colors, don't forget PFR can personalize your new rod with custom decals. As you're looking through the rod collection, don't forget to click on Fish Bum Apparel. They have long sleeve and short sleeve tees, along with great looking hoodies. As you're looking through their collection, don't forget the artwork is great. Don't wait to start building your custom rod today at peelerfishing.com. Do you have an older rod that needs updating? Email Brandon and his team and they'll put new life into that old rod with new custom guides and new decals. And of course, all PFR custom rods come with a lifetime warranty. Best of all, you're buying local, right here in Oregon. For all the Talking Bass in PDX listeners, use code fish to catch at checkout for a 25% discount on your new custom rod. Please visit PeelerFishing.com and tell them that you heard about Peeler Fishing Rods on Talking Bass in PDX. I know Brandon and his team are looking forward to building you that one-of-a-kind custom fishing rod. And now let's talk about fishing and with my number one guest from last year, Emily Frack. And let's see how she did in 2022 and what is up for 2023. Well, I would like to welcome back to the show one of the top downloads I had for this past year. Emily, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here again. Well, it was always uh, so much fun to uh, talk to you and watch your last season uh, through through social media. And I, as I was putting together my uh, show for the year in review, I went, you know, I'm going to look at my top downloads this year, and yours came up on top. So I'm so happy that you were able to <laughs> come back on the show. Oh, thank you so much. Well, let's just dive right into it. Tell me a little bit about how the season went. How did you do? What did you learn last year? Um, so much. <laughs> I learned so much. Um, it was my second year really diving in headfirst to the bass tournament scene. 
as far as the boating side and then on the kayaking side, because I do both, um, I did a few online tournaments with Oregon Kayak Bass Fishing. Um, and those were really fun. For those of you who don't know, when you do an online tournament, you, you know, you take your fish, you take a photo of it. There's lots of rules about the photo. And then you submit it to an app on your phone. And then it gets reviewed by the tournament directors there. And um, so that was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I did make it in the top 10 of one of those uh, tournaments. So that was pretty cool. That was the river rat series where you had to fish in a river. Um, and then I did a doubles tournament with someone else, and uh, I did one more. I can't remember which one it was. But that was really fun, and I, I'm excited this year to um, participate in two live events in 2023 for kayak. And that's a lot different than boating because you have control over where you're going. <laughs> so if you fail, it's all on you. I can't blame anybody. <laughs> um, and so I'm excited to do that. I'm hopefully going to do the Hag Lake um, tournament with Oregon Kayak Bass Fishing. It's their season kickoff where you get to pair up with somebody. And then um, hopefully if they don't drain it, um, we're going to do one also at Green Peter. Those two I'm going to do. And then I'm going to continue to fish with my boating club, Columbia River Bassmasters. Most of those events this year as well. That is what I'm doing this year. That sounds great. I am uh, thrilled to hear that they're going to do the opening event for kayak Oregon kayak bass fishing uh, at Hag Lake. I will uh, either be at the lake when they're doing it or or in the tournament, one of the two. I did not get to go last year, and I was very disappointed. Most people know that I got hurt and taken a year now to get myself uh, back in order. So, you know, one of the things that I saw, and I and I, I might have even messaged you during this, uh, this period of time, but you hooked up with another... Uh, angler, uh, Chantel Cartier, and it was, as my understanding, it was the first women team for Columbia River Bassmasters. That's right. I didn't, I didn't even know that was um, something that hadn't happened yet, so that was pretty cool. Uh, me and Chantel went out there, and um, we were just like, we're just going to try and beat some of these guys, right? <laughs> so we, we did... Um, we did pretty well. We got second place in that tournament. Um, and Chantiel, she was my guest. So she got the big fish of the day. And that was pretty exciting, too. So that was really awesome. Chantiel's a great friend and an awesome boater. And we really we kicked some butt out there. It was really fun. Well, I can only imagine. Now, I've had Chantel on the podcast uh, back a couple of years ago. And she's a very, very competitive angler, so I would suspect with the two of you together that uh, I would not have wanted to be in your way because I'll bet you two were, <laughs> were fishing pretty hard out there. We were. We were. We were. And she taught me a lot of things. You know, she's a really great teacher. She can. She gave me one tip, and I finally was able to figure out how to walk the dog with a spook. You know, I'm so new. I feel like I don't know a lot of techniques. And that was one of the ones I didn't know how to do. And she was like, you just have to do this. And then I did that. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's working. You know? <laughs> so, wow, and she's a great teacher and friend as well. That is great. It is uh, one of the things that I really like. And I follow sports that where it doesn't matter who or what you are. For example, uh, I'm not a big bowling fan, but the bowling pins would not know what uh, you know what, where the ball is coming from, and drag racing is my other mm -hmm. 
my other passion, and that car does not know who is hitting that gas pedal, and fish do not know who's on the other end of that line. So that that is one of the things that I really enjoy. I, I don't care if it's men or women. I like that they're out there being competitive, and so that that's why I enjoyed that that uh, mix of you two together because I thought, boy, that will be a fun day for you guys. Well, it certainly let, was. It certainly was fun. Great. Well, tell me. Last year, now I didn't. I didn't get a chance to ask you this before we went on uh, on the air. But did you set any records for yourself? Did you increase your personal best? I did not increase my personal best, and and that's one of the things where I look back on and I'm like, dang it, it wasn't. I don't know. For me, I was like, it wasn't that great of a year. I did so well in my rookie year that um, I didn't really better myself but also I learned a lot of lessons last year so I think that it was just a growing year for me um I did catch some nice largemouth bass last year and um I hadn't really been keeping track of my weight for them but now I have a solid uh you know goal of what to beat for my largemouth bass goal um and that's it's not very big <laughs> it's like you know two to three quarter pounds um so I hope to beat that this next year. And my smallmouth bass personal best is four pounds three ounces. Didn't quite beat that, but I caught some. I caught some nice ones though, like in the three pounds top, you know, high threes, low low fours. So, but not quite beat the personal best. No, but like I said, a lot of learning was done in 2022, and can only go up from there. Well, very nice. Yeah, smallmouth here in the Northwest. Uh, a four-pound fish is really, really nice, and if you catch several of them, that's really, really good. You, you know, there are a few yeah. out there, but uh, the largemouth, as far as I can tell, seem to be over on the coastal lakes, and that's where you'll do a little bit better. So if you get a chance to fish some of the lakes over there, Ten Mile, Silcoose, that type of thing, uh, you'll 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 increase that that size rapidly. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so yeah. that'll be hopefully yeah. you'll get you'll get to fish some of those. Yes. Now, last year, so you were only fishing um, a few of the online tournaments for kayak fishing. Is that correct? That's right. Yep. I just did a few online ones where I could. Now, are you going to fish some of the live tournaments this year? Yes, absolutely. I want to fish two live events at least um, for Oregon kayak bass fishing. And hopefully those will be Hag Lake and also... Um, if they don't drain the reservoir, uh, Green Peter, and um, I'll do both of those. Those are pretty close to my home, um, so I don't have to go too far to fish those. So what's great about the kayak bass fishing is that they do so many in so many places. What's bad about it is the traveling. You know, I have small kids, so um, I really have to pick and choose which ones I want to participate in. So those two I have my eye on this year, and I keep having <laughs> – I keep having guys ask me when I'm going to show up to one, so I guess I better do that this year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, when you're, that's the one interesting thing that I, I have interviewed quite a few of the kayak uh, anglers. Um, as a matter of fact, I had Brandon Waugh on uh, just a couple of months ago, and he was Angler of the Year, but, boy, it is yeah. a lot of work to go to all those tournaments. I mean, it is. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of travel time and, and uh, that type of thing. Now, one of the things that we're talking about 
this past year is that they've changed their rules on kayak fishing. They have moved from non-motorized boats to motorized kayaks. And I know that you they have sure have. Yeah, I know that you've bought a newer kayak. <laughs> Did you get one with a motor on it? It does have a motor, and boy, it is a game changer. So I switched from a Lightning Strike kayak, which is a it's a more affordable pedal drive. It was perfect for me to start out in the sport with, um, and it was a great boat for me. But um, Greg Marshall, whom I, you know. He messaged me on Facebook and was like, there's this old town autopilot for sale and you need to buy it. And so I talked to my husband and my husband, by the way, is my biggest fan and greatest support. He's always like, go fishing, go fishing. I got the kids. You're doing great. You know, when is the next tournament? You know, he's so great. Anyway, he was like, we need to go get it for you. So Greg and me and my husband and my kids, we all went uh, to Vancouver and we picked up this new kayak and it's, it's a, it's like a Cadillac. It it has a motor and it has spot lock. It can take the wind on the Columbia just fine. Um, it is amazing. I'm really excited to put more time into it this year um, and learn sort of how to better fish in it because it's a lot different than my uh, little other lightning strike. It's a lot heavier and um, just different in the water, so I definitely need some more time to figure it out. And but I'm really excited. <laughs> I feel like I I'm sitting like in the, a luxury boat or something. <laughs> oh, so absolutely. it's it's going to be fun. Oh, absolutely! I did my first kayak fishing just before, like February of last year, and it was in an older pedal kayak. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it doesn't have reverse. This seems a little clunky. But, yeah, I can see where this would be more fun. For folks that are listening to the podcast, if you're interested in kayak fishing, because it's becoming very popular, uh, go down and see Matt Walker over at Next Adventure if you want to see one of these newer kayaks, uh, just to check them out. I've gone over there and looked, and, uh, wow, they are so cool. Some of them have a better set of electronics than I have in my powerboat. So they, they yes. Can, yes, you can get a lot of cool things. Now did yours did you have to add some electronics to it or did it come with some? No, it came with a whole bunch of stuff. Um and then one of those things was a Hummingbird Helix five, so I do have that now. I know some people are installing live scopes on their kayaks and I do not plan to do that. Um, at least not this year. So I'm just going to stick with the basics this year and just try to fish efficient and clean and get some more experience. So Yeah, well, that, I mean, it's all in the starting, and then once you get into it, uh, and so that's, that's one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about was you're kind of heading two different directions, the boat uh, angling, powerboat, and then kayak. Which one do you think you're going to like better? I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm still kind of trying to figure that out. I love different things about them. Um, you know, I love in the in boating that I'm with somebody all day. That is so much fun. We have a team. We have a strategy. We talk beforehand. You know, um, my failures are their failures. My wins are their wins, and it's a team format. And then with kayak, it's I get to choose. I'm. I'm the one, you know, driving the boat. There's different benefits, pros and cons for each. So right now I'm going to continue to do both. Um, and I'm also a secretary for 
Columbia River Bassmasters, so I can't just <laughs> I can't just quit on them. As far as going one direction or another, I really couldn't tell you right now. Um, I I can do both for the time being, uh, and it's it's pretty fun both of them. So I can't choose. It's too hard, Don. It's too hard. Well, yeah, I I was just curious about it because I know that for myself, I have made a couple of attempts at kayak fishing and power, you know, of course, power boat fishing is where I started, and I and I can't quite pull myself to say yes, I'm going to go into this and and do it a lot for kayak fishing. I love watching it. I I really like their format. I like that they take a picture of the fish, upload it, and Put the fish right back. I'm all into mm-hmm. that part of their fishing. Um, I, the strategy, though, because you're so limited as to how far you can go. Yeah. So that that's always been one of my hold holdups. Is it's like, well, geez, I know five different spots on the Willamette that I like to fish, and I couldn't get there in a kayak. I'd have to I have to take a powerboat. So. Right. You maybe be able to choose one of those. Yeah. Exactly. To try to get to. Exactly. Yeah. So, were you able to upgrade any of your equipment this past year? Um, I did, but involuntarily. <laughs> I had a an accident with some of my poles, and I had, gosh, like four four of them break, four or five of them break, and so I had to I had to get some new gear. Um, and what the ones that broke were just really my starter holes like cheap stuff and you know it it wasn't a heartbreak or anything um and one of my edge edge rods got damaged but it's being repaired right now it wasn't a tragic loss so i did upgrade some of my stuff um i got a new fenwick uh pole and it's really really nice and um i can't remember the other pole i got another one too but there, it was mostly like my bait cast and then um, some of my spin casts that I used for, um, like drop shot and stuff. So it wasn't, it wasn't horrible. I upgraded with like mid type gear. I'm not very good at remembering names of the brands, but um, yeah, I did upgrade some. But and I plan to upgrade some more. Maybe get a few different reels because I realized when I was doing top water, when you're walking the dog, it really matters which side you're reeling in with and I can reel both um but I really need one that's you know it's a right hand retrieve to do that so I will be purchasing one of those this year for sure oh very good and when you say that your rods got damaged was that because somebody stepped on them or did you close a door or what no no it was um it was me and Chantel and it wasn't Chantel's fault at all it was probably my fault Um, And we were driving to the event at Celilo where we got to uh, participate in that tournament. And I put my rods in her boat in the co-angler spot, and then she put her cover on. And then the cover came loose, and it flapped around, and it, like, whipped my poles at 70 miles an hour. And I think it broke them inside their little cover. So. You know, I feel like that's a really good metaphor for my year last year where I just made some, you know, I kept making silly mistakes sometimes, even at tournaments. So I just, this the next year, I just want to fish cleaner and, (laughs) you know, think through actions a little bit better. So that's just my year. It was just a learning year. Well, I I, I got into the uh, how they got broke, how your rods got broken 
only because I learned last year, and I never really thought this through until I uh, talked to um, Tom Hartshorn about this. And years ago, I rode motorcycles, uh, uh, touring-type stuff. And uh, I was always so careful with the helmets because, you know, I'd go out and spend um, several hundred dollars on helmets and hundreds of dollars on on PA systems to talk back and forth with the uh my r- wife when we were writing and then all of a sudden you know I I I know you drop a motorcycle helmet it's done you you don't want to use it again because it's it's damaged internally even though it doesn't look damaged and I found that rods are the same way if you step on them or if they something lands on them they can be internally damaged and that's why I was asking about yes, it because they can. you can you can have a rod break uh, as you're casting or retrieving a, a fish, just because it's got internal damage. So that was that was why I was asking yeah. about it. Yeah, it's something I, I looked yeah. at and didn't, didn't want to hear it, but but it's true. I know. No, it wasn't anything like that, unfortunately. But well, now I have better gear, so you know it all works out in the end. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I think, too, uh, as you upgrade gear, um, rods, reels, that type of thing, uh, it's kind of a confidence builder, too, when you're out there fishing with uh, a rod that you know ha- has the right feel to it. And I think that, uh, yes. that, will, that, will, help, that will help your, uh, you know, your catch, too. Exactly. I know more about poles and what kind of pole I need and what, you know, what line and what you know, what type of reel, and so it, it was It was more fun to go pick them out this time other than, like, I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, when you feel, when you don't, when you're in a sport for the first time and you go in to a store, you're like, I have no idea what to get. And now I feel like I do have an idea, so it definitely is a confidence booster to go up to that counter and say, I need this kind of pull, and I want it to feel like this. And I want it to be this long. Like, do you have something like that? And <laughs> I don't know, but those guys, they always give me a look. And so <laughs> um, it's it's nicer to go in there knowing what I'm doing now a little bit more. So. Well, yeah, I think it's a, lear- I think it's a learning experience. Um, over the years of, of fishing, I have been continually upgrading, and I feel the same way. I'm able to walk in, and when they try to tell me, oh, no, you want this, like, no, I don't. I know what I want, and I know how I want it to feel. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. That happens to me a lot, where um, where men tell me what they think I need to do (laughs) in the sport. And I'm not even going to say it that way. I'm going to say that salespeople are there to do one thing, and that's make sales. And they don't really, some yeah. of them may not really care what they sell you as long as they sell it, you know? And, yeah, and so, definitely. They might have a quota or something, for sure. Now, a lot of anglers that I talk to uh, are are really honing in on, you know, their, their kind of bait. You know, I've got uh, one... One friend of mine who's really into swim baits, and that's really all he fishes, and he fishes them a whole lot of different ways. And and then I've got some others that are into crankbaits. What can you tell now? Where you're kind of headed as to what kind of baits you like to throw? Yes. So in 2023, as far as what I can bring on a boat and a kayak is pretty limited. So I really want to try to power down my gear into four poles maximum. 
and those four poles having certain baits on them, and those certain baits being um, a Ned Rig, a weightless Senko, or some type of Senko tied up, a drop shot, and then the fourth pole having a, either a swim bait, soft plastic, or a crankbait on it. Because if you have too much gear, it really, you don't pick up some of those poles, and then you get to the end of the day and realize that you didn't, you know, you carried around all this gear for no reason. So I'd really like to focus on those four. And 2023, I have dubbed the year of the Senko <laughs> for myself. Um, I really want to try to get better at throwing the Senko, especially the weightless Senko, especially targeting largemouth. Um, so that that's what I'm going to focus on this year. I want to be able to just look at a body of water and know how and where I'm going to throw that Senko. So that's my year, 2023, the year of the Senko. So I'm go that's where I'm headed. Well, good luck with it. I hope that you do well with it. It took me a while to get comfortable with Senkos. And I have to be honest, I go looking for brush and structures and trees that are down and I will get up on top of them or near them and throw into them and work my way out and I've caught some really nice fish doing that but it is um, it can be very uh, stressful when you're wrapped up into a limb and you're trying to untangle that so but that that's true I, I was shown how and I I work my way through it and you know when I find it I go fish it because the fish do like to hide underneath there so um, mm -hmm. That's I, true. Yeah, I, I think you'll have a great time with it, but it's it can be very trying. So always have that go-to bait tied up on another rod and reel ready to go because it, when That's you get right. frustrated, put it down and go to something else. Well, my go-to bait for that would be definitely a swim bait. So <laughs> those are yeah. those are my go-to for sure. Yeah, I mean, I I know uh, an angler. In fact, he he's been on the show. Uh, Bob Judkins, you may know him also. Um, oh, yes, I fished with Bob twice. He is uh, exclusively a swim bait person. You know, he, he throws he, them all He all loves that thing. Yeah. Yes, he showed me a lot with the swim bait, and I probably derive pleasure. It's the same from what he taught me in throwing that bait, so definitely. Yeah. Now, one of, the, one of the other questions I had, and I, I've been thinking about this for all anglers that I've been interviewing and not asking it until just now. So I know that you fish in a lot of tournaments. I know that you go out. I don't know that you get to go practice uh, those those areas, although I know that the, the uh, lower Columbia, or, uh, Columbia River Bassmasters, I know that they, they fish the same areas. Um, so how do you go out and practice, though? How do you go out and try a different technique so that you're not doing it in the in the tournament itself, or or do you have to do it during the tournament? Sure. Um, at first, I wasn't asked to go practice a lot, and so I would just try out stuff on the Willamette, which is the closest body of water to me, um, and try to figure that out, like how to throw something. But if I wanted to try a, a certain spot, on the Columbia, it would really have to be in practice with another boater. And in that case, I just ask if they want to go practice. Um, and so that's really how we do it. And then they, you know, then we can go to a spot and practice. 
um, a technique. And, you know, if you, if you're a tournament fisherman and you go to the spot you want to try in the tournament, maybe throw half a dozen times and see if you catch something. If you catch something, then you stop, <laughs> you know, and then you move on because you don't want to burn out that spot. Um, and so that's a good way to practice. But if I'm just by myself and nobody's out practicing as a co-angler, I don't have my own power boat. So um, then I just go to the Willamette and try to find an area that's similar to what I think we'll be fishing at the Columbia, which is kind of hard on the Willamette. But I do have a couple spots. And, um, and then I just try to practice there or I just, you know, say, I'm going to throw one thing all day to just try to really get the hang of it. So that's what I really do to make sure that I think I know what I'm doing when I show up to the tournament. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It, it just really depends on the weather conditions, water temperature, et cetera. Yeah, there's so many factors that uh, that come into play. And, of course, when you're up on the, the Columbia, um, you've also got the wind in there to uh, to contend with, too. Where you're, Oh, you're man, making... yes, the wind is such a huge factor. Yeah, where you may not have that on the Willamette, uh, you can you can duck out of that wind and and uh, get a little cover, and and it's a it's a lot more comfortable, isn't it? Yes, it is. Oh, we're actually doing a a tournament with Columbia River Bassmasters on the Willamette. I convinced them. <laughs> um, in April, they're going to do it out of Boone's Ferry or Newburgh. Um, and launch from there and hopefully we can catch some nice big bass so that we can get the good reputation back for the willamette that there are good fish in there i know last year cascade Bassmasters had their very first um tournament there and a five pound fish came out of the willamette so you guys who say that only small fish are in the willamette you're wrong <laughs> you just haven't got to know where to go yeah the the willamette from the falls to um, well, Newburgh, you can get a boat a little further yeah. up, um, you know, up to the yeah. mouth of the Yamhill. But, but much past that, you don't want to go. It's it, it's uh, all mm -hmm. tilted in. Um, but that that is a tremendous fishery uh, in that uh, it's very deceiving where those fish are. Now, I've spent, uh, oh, I don't know, the last um, 15, 20 years of my life fishing there. So I probably know a spot or two. Uh, on the Willamette, mm -hmm. uh, where where there are fish, and I have seen uh, nice fish come out of there. Five pounds is exceptional. Four pounds, uh, yes. you probably can go find one. But yes, and like last year, Greg Marshall and I went out there in spring, and um, there's a it's really close to the Newburgh uh, launch. There's a place where a creek comes in there. And um, we were just throwing our swim baits, and he caught a really nice large mouth, and I got a really nice small mouth just, like, right off the bat. So it also depends on the time of year, of course, because then if you go back in that spot in summertime, it, it's not it, – you don't catch anything. So they do move around, I feel like, quite a bit more in the Willamette. Yeah, so once the summer temperatures hit, and it, that that area warms up a lot, the water warms up a lot. Yeah, those fish go those fish go down, and and uh, mm -hmm. they do move. They they move out of that uh, that area you're talking about, and they they get down deep, yeah. and, and they they don't um, they don't bite as readily. Let's put it that way. So yes. Yes. Yeah, that can be a tricky fishery. Um, yes, it can. What time of the year that you fish it? 
Mm-hmm. Well, this has been this has been really exciting. I am glad to hear that you're gonna gonna ramp up a bit with kayak fishing and powerboat fishing. And I wish yeah. you all the luck. I hope to see you out there on the water at some point this year. I, I can get back on the That'd water. That'd be now. great. That'd be awesome. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna get out there. Uh, the uh, the Achilles tendon is uh, pretty much all healed, and uh, uh, although my walking doesn't look quite right at least i can walk so that that's a good thing yeah and uh yeah let's uh, go let's go fishing there you go i will uh yeah i'll I'll try to get you out there well good luck that'd be great that'd be fun good luck out there thank you i hope to see you on the water thank you so much have a great 2023 everyone and there she goes i'd like to thank emily for her time she is a very busy person with her family with work with fishing I don't know how she does it all, but she gets it done. Well, I would like to thank my guests, Brian Chapman, Brandon Peeler, and Emily Frack for being on my Rewind show for 2022 as we kick off 2023. Thank you again to Peeler Custom Rods for helping with the show. Information on Peeler Custom Rods is in the show notes. We are growing, but we need your help. I need your help by telling your friends about the podcast and that we can be heard on Spotify, Anchor FM. Of course, iTunes is the most popular. iHeartRadio, we're available there now too. We could even be found on Google if you're just looking on your laptop. Just Google Talking Bass and PDX and you'll be able to listen to the show right off of a laptop. Well, for show ideas or feedback, email me at gonefishingpdx at gmail.com. If you didn't get that email address, it's down in the show notes. Drop me a line. I read every one of them myself. I'd like to thank everybody. Until next time, this has been Don Clark, Talking Bass in PDX, and I'll see you on the backcast.